on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. It is so great to be back with you here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino as we get ready for another season of Runner Rebel Basketball. Hi, everybody. I'm John Sandler, along with Curtis Terry, Coach Kevin Kruger. It's his show. He is here as well as uh, the Runner Rebels get set for the season opener coming up Monday night at the Thomas & Mack as they'll take on Southern University, a 7-15 tip on Monday night. Uh, it's, it, the summer seemed long and short. It, it was... Uh, uh, a lot going on, and obviously a lot with the Runner Rebels. We'll talk about that. we got a kind of a season preview show for you. Talk about all the new things going on with the Runner Rebels, uh, new coaches, uh, new players, a few returners, and uh, Kevin Kruger into his second year. But we're excited to be here, and uh, this show will be at 5 p.m. Uh, this year, uh, and we hope that's that's okay for you. We hope to see a lot of you coming down here to Bailiwick uh, and, uh, and join us for the show this season. Uh, let's, uh, let's bring in coach Kruger and coach, uh, uh, you know, some things never change, but, uh, uh, I know you're excited to head into year two in the Kevin Kruger era at UNLV. Yeah, we are, uh, you know, excited to be at Vegas, you know, at UNLV as always uh, a lot of similarities as the, in the excitement of last year, just with a year under our belt now, uh, I think, uh, like you said, fast summer, but also a long summer at the same time, excited to get back out there and get going. But, uh, a lot also happened this summer. Yeah, a lot happened this summer. Uh, a complete turnover in your staff. We'll talk about that. The trip to Canada, which I know is incredibly valuable. Uh, you brought in, and you know, it's the world of college athletics and college basketball now. You uh, use that transfer portal to uh, to bring in uh, some 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 fresh talent for the Runner Rebels. You've got uh, a nice little core coming back as well. We'll talk about that. But uh, you know, let, let's reflect a little bit on last year. And, and Curtis, uh, uh, let's let's. Also, uh, get your impression on this as as Kevin heads into his second year. Coach, what did you learn? What was last year? What was the what were some of the biggest things you learned in your your first year as a head coach? I think you know as much as anything, just as the hopefully as the years go on, you just kind of learn where you you need to focus your attention. Uh, I think uh, you know as much as anything, the time management, budgeting time, and uh, you know figuring out how you can be the best coach and mentor to the guys. Uh, with prep before games, the schedule uh, leading up to games, um, you know that, and then also try, you know, figuring out a way, the best way to balance, uh, you know, your home and family life. Yeah, and you didn't make any changes there either. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we had, <laughs> yeah no, not since the last time we talked, but uh, <laughs> you know, we did have Viv uh, last November twenty second, so. Uh, yeah, this hopefully this year will be a little uh, calm in, in that department. So you learned not to have a baby in your first three weeks of the season as your first year as a head coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> CT, I know you and I were both very excited about Kevin taking over uh, for the Runner Rebels and, and, and becoming the head coach. Uh, you watched him. I mean, you've known him forever. You've watched him progress, and you watched him progress through last year. What were your impressions of, of how he work through the season and, and heading into the second year? Well, it sounds like, I mean, obviously working on time management, budgeting, responsibility. It sounds like he's still working on adulting, um, <laughs> as am I. So I think a lot of us are probably working on that day-to-day. Um, but I think Kevin did a great job. And, 
and, and not just because he's sitting here because we're buddies, but um, I, I just think with the transition coming from, from TJ being in charge and then Kevin taking over, coming from that assistant coaching spot, um, and, and really propelled the team to, to a, new, a new direction in which they're heading. And obviously I think it's tough now with the landscape of college athletics and the transfer portal. I mean, obviously you got to you get transfers or you die trying, and that's the name of the game. Um, and, and Coach Kevin and his staff have done a great job the last two seasons, offseason doing so. Uh, but now it's time to, to kind of turn that page and, and continue that, that progression, that transition into the season and try to continue momentum. Kev, what are some things you've done differently heading into this year than, than you did heading into the first year? And um, obviously first year everything's new and you got a lot of stuff to figure out. So imagine you know, that, that was a little bit easier. But what are some substantive things that you did regard, with regard to the program heading into this year that are different? I think, uh, again, it, it kind of just boils down to the, the scheduling and budgeting of time. Um, I think there, uh, you know, last year, getting the job in March, you just want to solve all the problems you feel you have as a, 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 in, that'll help you win games. You want to do it all immediately and overnight. And, you know, you just, just got to take a little bit of a breath and, and understand you gotta, it's, a, it's a process. You got to build and, and, and uh, do what you can in that regard. So I think uh, just little things where it might even be if, you know, there, if there's a practice not going necessarily the way we want it to go, instead of, you know, there's certain days you got to hammer your point home, and there's certain days where it might just be better to say, all right, guys, we're just going to come back tomorrow. You know, get get some rest, get your breath, catch your breath, and let's figure it out that way. And then, and of course, you know, watching even watching film on Southern, getting getting prepared, uh, just has a little bit different of a feel going into this season than it did last year, um, going into game one, and uh, hopefully. That's for the better. <laughs> are your guys receptive when you do that? Like, kind of like you guys are having a bad practice or things aren't going well. You say, "Hey, we're we're done. We're just going to shut it down." Um, because I remember your dad did that to us a couple times. Like, we go out there and you're you're not having the sharpest practice, and you've only been out there 20, 30 minutes. He's like, "You know what? We're just going to be done for today. We're going to come back tomorrow and and, and give it another go." Um, and almost to us, that was almost like more impactful. Like, dang it. We're in trouble. We don't even get to practice today. And you know you have to live with that instead of just getting ran to death. Uh, but are you guys receptive of kind of that mentality? They are. And, and luckily we haven't had that point yet where it's had to be really short. You know, this is a group, again, uh, you know, mentally, uh, Luis Rodriguez just always comes to mind when we talk about this because his, uh, his effort and approach every day is so good that, uh, that any time you kind of feel that it's not heading the way you want it to go or it's starting to fade off, you can, you can kind of lean on Lou. And uh, so when we get toward the end of practice, it may not be a, a big, you know, bring it, even bring it to everybody's attention other than the fact of, guys, we just got to be better tomorrow. It's a little shorter than it, than it was uh, kind of originally planned for. But uh, having an older group of guys that's experienced, uh, I, I think it you know, contributes to that, to not having a lot of those days. Let's talk about some things that, that took place over the summer. Um, let, let's start with the coaching staff because that, that's something that probably – uh, fans might be aware of, but but then again, they might not. Assistant coaches uh, certainly don't get the, the, the publicity they deserve, um, and, and they're incredibly hardworking. Uh, and, and it's very unusual in a, in a second year to have to replace your whole staff. And it has nothing to do with you and your relationship with the staff, all that. It's all about opportunities that they had, and it just, it just sort of worked out that way. But uh, that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, depending on which way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But we, we kind of take it as a pat on the back that uh, the nation kind of took notice of what was uh, being built out here. And, but, yeah, I think uh, fortunately for me on a personal level, uh, it, they came kind of spread out, uh, whereas the year before it was basically starting from carte blanche. So, you know, Carlin going to Florida really quick and early 
uh, you know, allowed us to focus just on kind of that one spot and that role that he had and people that kind of fit that role of, uh, you know, just experienced, well-traveled, you know, recruiting all over the country, coached all over the country, uh, multiple guys in the NBA, you know, th- that type of pedigree. So, so John Cooper, just uh, he filled that, I think, seamlessly. Uh, Auburn. Uh, I mean, head coach at Tennessee State, Miami of Ohio, assistant at Oregon, uh, I mean, uh, assistant at SMU, Oklahoma State, just a, a very similar resume to, to, to what Carlin uh, ha, kind of had. And so I think uh, that, not that you're going to replace them, you know, tit for tat, but I thought that that was a perfect uh, uh, kind of match for, for the group we had. And then uh, about a month later, Tim Buckley going to South Carolina, you know, and Barrett Peary stepping in, and, and again, a lot of similarities, just uh, well-traveled, a lot of different stops, uh, you know, 25-plus years of coaching. Uh, Buck is at 35 years plus, but that's neither here nor there. You know, I didn't give him a little old-person jab. But, uh, you know, and then Brandon Chappelle leaving for Texas uh, later on in the summer. You know, Jamal Williams, who I uh, knew from my playing days at ASU when he was at Washington, young, energetic, uh, same age as, as me, and and uh, just somebody again that just kind of filled in. So because I thought one of the things that we really had going last year was our staff chemistry, and I think the guys noticed that and appreciated that. So I think uh, as as seamless as we could have done, um, we we replaced what left with what uh, with what came in. Yeah, and, and the group seems to have have blended together really quickly. Obviously, Coop and and, and Barrett uh, knew each other from. Their paths having crossed numerous times as veterans. Jamal's a younger guy, came in late, took him a little while. I think he, he got here just before we left for Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually the week of. Yeah. The week of. And actually, uh, Coach Peary had hired Jamal at Portland State. So he was going to join his staff. So those two had a connection as well. And, and that was big for us was, you know, not bringing anybody in that was just going to be, you know, completely, you know, or not know anybody right. other than me. And then, of course, Will Saxon and Deshaun Henry staying was huge. Uh, because Will Saxon, having known him now for 10-plus years, it, it was a big deal to me to, to, to keep those guys to lean on. Yeah, and Deshaun, I mean, we've, we've talked about Deshaun and the stability he provide, provides and all the work he does behind the scenes. Uh, and we'll cover that, I'm sure, later on in the season. But, uh, but you've got your staff together, and, and then the other, the other job over the summer was going out and replacing, uh, I don't know, 80% of the scoring, something like that, uh, that uh, was on the roster as, as Bryce and Donovan uh, left and uh, you 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 were going to use the transfer portal, portal regardless, but uh, you took a little bit of a different approach this year in terms of what you looked for and the type of player you brought in. Yeah, I think most of if you look at our roster, it's no secret most of the guys were that that joined our group out of the portal hung their hat on the defensive end, and and, and that's just kind of where they earned minutes early and and just kind of held on to that reputation. If you look at Harkless, uh, Rodriguez, and Parquet. You know, being the three, they actually all committed on the same weekend, but they all earned minutes early uh, at the schools they were at by getting out, guarding people, uh, being consistent, reliable on that end, and then kind of letting their offensive game grow as time went on. Tell us about that. That that was an interesting sort of timing thing. When those three guys all committed at the same time, were they all here on a visit at the same time? They were. They were here on the same weekend. Uh, We put those three together uh, by design Mm -hmm. to – to get them around each other and, and kind of get a feel for each other uh, on a personal level. And yeah, EP, Elijah Parquet, was the first one. He walked in the office uh, before we had our kind of end-of-visit meeting and before it even started, said he wanted to be a Rebel. So he kind of got things started. 
That's great. And, and I mean, obviously, have you seen that camaraderie and those three kind of kind of come in together and, and, and have that momentum continue? Well, no question. And, again, you've got every one of them has got almost a, a, over 100 games played in college. So, you know, when you can throw those three out there, you can be pretty comfortable that they're they're going to do what they've done on film for the last four years. And, uh, and I do. I think that helps guys like Keyshawn Hall, Keyshawn Gilbert a lot, uh, just having that, that older core or the nucleus of, of what we're going to do being a, a little more older and more experienced. We're going to get into the specifics and the individuals on the roster uh, during our next segment. But uh, give us, if you will, your you know, 10,000-foot approach to, to this roster and this group coming into this season. Um, I, I, I think, again, you know, we talked all, all year last, last year about having a group that the city was proud of, that uh, the fans and the alums and the former players uh, specifically enjoyed watching and rooting for. And I think uh, this is a group that's going to fall into that category as well. Um, you know, having a, a, a luncheon yesterday with a, a longtime supporter and, and, and booster group you know that's that's a this is a group that we can put in the middle of those those that crowd and not have to worry one second about what's going to be said or how we're going to be represented and uh so i think uh but you combine that with a little more actual game experience than we had uh with last year's group i think it uh, just gives us a good starting point and you mentioned that game experience i mean and i think that's a, a big thing to point out well, last year when you had to go through this in the off season and, and kind of retool your team you got a lot of guys that that didn't have the opportunities to play a lot of minutes play a lot of games at their previous school and we're looking at kind of that opportunity to shine and to step in a new role but with this year with this gears group you mentioned guys have played over 100 plus games do you notice in the, just in the early days a big difference in terms of just the, the, the com, not just the camaraderie, but just the ability to, to put more on their plate or on their shoulders knowing that they can handle it because they've been in those moments compared to guys from, from last year that transferred in? Or kind of what do you see from that standpoint? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, it, it all comes down to a, there's a level of security right. that just comes from, you know, when they, if we as a coaching staff say we've got to force them to do this every single time, and it doesn't go well the first time or it doesn't go well the third time, you know, when you have an older, more experienced group, I think they still see the end. They still see the, the goal and the objective. And just because it doesn't go perfectly from the start. And I think sometimes when you got a group that doesn't necessarily have that same security because they don't have the same number of repetitions and experience, that uh, it just provides a little bit different of a, of a problem. And Because I, I absolutely loved last year's group, oh, as you sure. know. And, uh, but, uh, again, you know, Donovan didn't have any experience coming from Texas. Royce with the same thing. Uh, Vic, not a lot of minutes at Oklahoma. But they still played incredibly hard. And, and again, a, a lot of those guys that are coming in are now entering year two when you talk about Justin Webster, you talk about Jordan McCabe, uh, David Muwoka. So it, it's just a little bit different of a starting point. In the sense that you brought in these, these guys with more experience, have you noticed, and, I mean, the trip to Canada was invaluable in this area, but have you noticed – the culture in the locker room and sort of the self-policing and a lot of the stuff we talk about that comes with stability with a program. Uh, have you noticed that beginning to start a little bit, maybe more quickly, more organically uh, already this year? I think so. Just cause you don't, you don't, when you have an, o- an older group or you have a group of guys that have been through it, um, you just don't have necessarily the, the, the ears that are going to listen to somebody having a bad day. You know, it might just be a quick pat on the back and like, you're going to be all right. Or, you know, something of that nature instead of, of commiserating together. And I think uh, anytime there's a lot of uncertainty or a lot of guys with uncertainty, you can get that. And, but I think with this group, again, having the experience and a certain level of security uh, on a personal level and, and 
in their abilities, um, it just it just creates a little bit better of an atmosphere because we're not going to sit around pretending everybody has a great day every day. No, but of course uh, not. if you can get through those tough days a little quicker, then uh, then uh, it helps out a lot. No doubt about it. All right. Well, we are just getting started with the Kevin Krieger Radio Show here at Bailiwick. We will uh, take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those specific individuals, get to know some of the guys on this team as the Runner Rebels get ready for the home opener and the season opener on Monday night against Southern University, uh, game time 7.15. Our pregame over on ESPN Radio will start at 6.45 on Monday night. But want to remind you that Finley Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. And you are listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino from Learfield. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. All right, we are back at Bailiwick. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger talking Run Rebel basketball. Run Rebels begin the 2022-23 season. Wow. Uh, next Monday night against Southern at the Thomas & Mack. 7.15, the tip. And we'll be on the air over on ESPN Radio uh, at uh, 6.45 with Run Rebel warm-up. Talking, uh, talking about this group and getting into the roster specifically, in the past I've divided it by, by year but I can't figure out what year anybody is anymore with COVID and transfer and all that stuff. So we're just going to go with, uh, we're going to go with uh, returners. Alphabetical order. <laughs> returners that knew, but oh, by their roster, by their, uh, their jersey numbers is how we did it. So let's start with Vic. And, and you already mentioned it. Uh, who, uh, Vic, who, who only played limited minutes and limited games last year, Vicky Waco. Um, but when he was on the floor, with last year's group, it let you do so many more things, and he just caused havoc uh, for the other team. Yeah, I think Vic, uh, you know, if not the one of the best athletes in the conference, uh, you know, going about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, you know, 220-ish, and, and runs and jumps as, as well as anyone. And uh, But last year he just struggled. He just couldn't stay healthy. You know, he separated his uh, shoulder, actually his right shoulder in the first indoor or secret scrimmage, and then uh, separated his other shoulder, uh, you know, a couple weeks into the season. So just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't kind of, kind of get a groove until the end of the year. And then uh, he kind of, he had a, little, a good stretch there where I mean he was a huge reason that we were able to beat Colorado State twice, a huge reason we beat Wyoming in the Thomas and Mac, and uh, you know just his strength and his physicality give us a little bit different of a dim- uh, dimension uh, on the defensive end. His role this year because. This year, you've got guys maybe not quite as athletic as he is, but guys who kind of look like him and kind of do the things he does. A little bit. He just does it with a little bit more of a post mentality. Uh, you know, he's used to playing uh, more down in the paint, down in the post. But uh, the, no, you're right. We got a, a lot of guys that with, that are just bigger, more physical, um, so they should uh, blend in uh, pretty well together. He's a lot of fun to be around as well. <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment around Vic. That a I promise of, you. A lot of energy from that guy. <laughs> makes, makes me tired to see all his energy being expended. <laughs> well, it'll be, it'll be. Uh, I know he he had some surgery in the off season. Uh, spent a lot of time rehabbing and working hard to to get back into shape. And and what's his status? Uh, ready to go on Monday? Yeah, he's ready to go. He got he actually got fully cleared the first week of official practice. So, uh, but there's still a little bit of an adjustment for him. He, you know, he wasn't able to lift weights. Uh, you know, in his upper body until uh, even a little bit after that full clearance just to go uh, through physical contact. 
So uh, still getting his body back, uh, you know, just to kind of where it was at the end of last year. Still getting his body. His shoulders are still huge. Oh, he's still a big dude, but, uh, <laughs> but he's still, uh, still working to get back towards where he'd be at 100%. If, if only I could go six months without working out or lifting weights and look like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no comment. Uh, <laughs> uh, five scholarship returners. Vic is the first we talked about. You mentioned Justin Webster earlier justin uh, a guy who came in with a reputation and certainly the stats to back it up when he was at the university of hawaii two years ago as an outstanding three-point shooter struggled adjusting i think uh, new environment new team new role maybe a little bit uh certainly uh got more acclimated and, and did extremely well as the season went along hit the huge shot against wyoming at home uh for to help with that victory late in the year and late in that game uh, but coming in now, seemingly a little more confident and a little, uh, little better adjusted, ready to go. Yeah, I think the, the pro and the con a little bit of Justin is he just doesn't want to ruffle feathers. He's just such a good teammate, good person that, you know, he just kind of, it was, it was always yes, sir, yes, coach, and no matter what was asked. And so I think that just took him a little bit of time to, to blend in. He didn't want to, like I said, he didn't want to upset anything. He just kind of wanted to find his way through. But, uh, you know, once he got a little more comfortable as the year went on, he was he was somebody we relied on. A big game at San Jose State yep. to take that thing from uh, what could have ended up being a nail biter. He goes in there and, and changes the tide of the game and ends up being a pretty comfortable win. And then, of course, coming back in in the Wyoming game, knocking down some big shots and uh, kind of keeping Wyoming at arm's length uh, for the the second part of the second half was uh, ended up being a huge win for us. And his role this year. It might be even more magnified and important because he's one of the guys who, at least coming in, you're going to count on to knock down outside shots. Yeah, I mean, and that's the the beauty again of having that second year player. When we when we look at him and tell him, you know, you know, Webb, you you got to go in and let him go, and you you know, your role is going to be and your minutes going to be determined by your you know, your impact on the offensive end and. And he knows that. He knows what we mean by it. He knows what's a good shot, bad shot. And uh, so I think he's had a tremendous fall, and uh, I think he's going to have a good year. Jordan McCabe came in last year transferring from West Virginia uh, and, and ran the point for you for most of the season. Uh, a little flash and dash at times. Uh, streaky shooter. Uh, but a, a little bit of a different perspective and role coming into this year. Yeah, I think, uh, again, Jordan – Coming back, being in the second year with everyone, with the staff, uh, with the expectations and, and the understanding. But, uh, you know, when Jordan got there in the first thing in the summer, we had to talk a lot about it. It was just, it just too turnover prone. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he finished at, at the top of the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. And that's a huge change just in approach and, and, and what we needed as a group. Uh, we shot the ball well as a team, so we needed to get as many shots up as we could. And Jordan took that to heart. And toward the end of the year, our offensive efficiency was, was much better than it was at the beginning, and Jordan was a large piece of that. CT, I know you, you enjoyed watching Jordan play. There were times where it was a little frustrating as a former point guard, you know, because uh, there were times when Jordan, uh, the style points would, would seem awfully important. But, uh, but he's a guy who was a leader on last year's team, and he's going to have that same role in this, I, this year. Yeah, and I think Jordan McCabe led the conference in style points for sure. Um, and we've got to talk about Jordan McCabe. I mean, he's, he's, he's a fun kid. He's a great personality, everything he does on social media. And I've got to give him a shout-out because his Halloween costume, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he was Travis Barker. Um, and it was, I mean, he goes, he goes to the full extreme. Mini ex- Travis Barker. He, um, yeah, yeah. But so he, he, he goes to the full extreme and to the full lengths when he, when he does anything. Um, but I think, like, like Kevin said, I mean, the, the progression that he made in, in terms of coming in and, and trying to be flashy at times, but also being able to reel it in, lead the league in, 
and assist to turnover ratio. Um, but I think he's, he's a very selfless player. You don't see him, from my perspective, a guy that, that, that moans and gripes about opportunities on the court. He gets out there, and whatever you're going to ask of him, he's going to do. And I think he's going he's gonna to pay dividends for the team in terms of on the court leading the team. But I also think he's helped, from my perspective, well with the development of Keyshawn Gilbert in terms of being able to play him, play behind him, and see kind of what you need to do, not just on the court but off the court, how to, how to have the camaraderie with your teammates. And so, again, I'm a big fan of Jordan McCabe, and I think he's going to have a big season. It's going to be a big part of what we do is, is going to be guard play for this group. No doubt about it. Well, that leads in perfectly to uh, the, the next guy we want to talk about, another returner. And these two next guys, Keyshawn Gilbert, David Mooka, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in the era of the transfer portal and all that, David came in as a transfer, but as a, as a sophomore. These are two guys you are really counting to kind of build this program around. Start with Keyshawn. Just watching him this summer, watching him on the Canada trip, watching him in the scrimmages, the improvement he has made, not surprising because you know what kind of kid he is, but somewhat remarkable in the sense that he has taken such a big leap in terms of his entire game. No, without a doubt. Just uh, his maturity, going through this experience, and and just growing up, I think, uh, has been his biggest uh, kind of progress uh, throughout the summer. But, you know, Keyshawn turned 19 at the end of the summer. He's he's still a baby. You know, in in most high school situations, right, across the country, he'd be entering his freshman year. So uh, probably a, a year ahead, uh, ahead in terms of where he should be at uh, in school. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it was fun to see Keyshawn get people in the Thomas and Mac going uh, by picking the ball up and, and playing defense. But, uh, again, like a lot of the other guys on our team, he understood that the, his way to get minutes last year, having Bryce, Royce, Donovan, um, those guys that were scoring, was to get out there and guard the ball. And so taking that and then just continuing to progress offensively, at a at a under at a fair pace, you know, not expecting to just it all happen overnight. Uh, I think is what will make Keyshawn Gilbert just a special rebel. And, and you talk about Keyshawn Gilbert. I, I'm a big fan of Keyshawn Gilbert. Obviously, I mean, we we had the chance. People in Vegas got the chance to see him play when he was at Durango High School playing for Coach Deshaun Henry. But I think. The, Keyshawn is, is a defensive player. Everybody knew that. But can you talk about, I mean, and he's mentioned this to me, but the, the impact that him missing that shot in the conference tournament in front of the bench, missing that three-pointer that would have won the game, he took that to heart in terms of how his development and getting in the gym and continuing to get up shots to improve his, his offensive ability so that he wouldn't be in that position again and, and let his teammates down. What did you see from him in terms of using that as motivation into this season? Well, I think combining that with his stubbornness, which is what makes him really good, is uh, is was pretty much it just a just getting in the gym he just a little few kind of comments by coaches and he just kind of took it from there um but yeah Keyshawn's somebody who's not going to forget and you know and, and you know that that shot against Wyoming is, is kind of at its core of of what drives him in the gym what drives him to shoot uh, get up shots and kind of improve in that area because uh but he knows again it goes back to security with the staff going into the second year that he did what he needed to do defensively now he's got to become more efficient and better offensively Keyshawn is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year uh, it, it really is and then the last returner uh guy who came in with some some pretty sound pedigree uh what defensive player of the year in the Southland Conference uh as he as he transferred in from Lamar David Mooka but in the first part of the season really the, the the whole non-conference portion of the season seemed a little tentative a little hesitant I don't know what somebody said to him before the game up in Fort Collins against Colorado State, but I think it was something about you got to get a little meaner. Probably there were some adjectives used around that. 
he turned into a different guy, and from then on, I mean, that game he dominated. And from then on, he became a real factor for the runner Rebels on both ends of the floor, and I imagine it's only going to get better. Well, and I think we undersold David a little bit at the when he first got here. You know, coming over from Lamar with Coach Chappelle, Defensive Player of the Year, then Southland, I just don't think we as a staff challenged him enough. Um, he's incredibly smart, high IQ player. Uh, we should have just demanded more from him early. Um, but again, a lot of the, a, a lot of similarities to a guy like Justin Webster because with uh, Royce Ham and then a guy who didn't even play for us last year due to injury, but James Hampshire at seven feet one, you know, we, we kind of had two guys, older guys that we thought were going to anchor the anchor the team in the paint. And so discussion of even redshirting came up with David in last uh, fall, but. And he was good for it. He understood. He saw the roster, and he was a, he was all in on just developing and getting better. But like you said, I think as the year went on, we realized he uh, how valuable of, of a piece he was for that group. And and that's again one of the reasons I think we had a good finish. Him, Vic, really stepping up and kind of taking those minutes personal, and and just worried about uh, getting the best results. And I think that development of David, I think it it, it goes. It's overlooked that he had to play and compete against Royce Ham every day in practice, and I can. And he's mentioned this to me in terms. He was like, I mean, I had to play against Royce. I think he was kind of a deer in headlights when he first came on campus last year because Royce just played so hard. He competed every possession, but I think that's when you take advantage of it. Just like Keyshawn playing behind um, Jordan McCabe, David in this standpoint playing behind Royce made him a better player, and he took advantage of it. And now I think we're going to see the fruits of that labor pay off coming into this year. Absolutely, no doubt. And- uh, it, it, it really is exciting, thinking especially about the young guys, Keyshawn and David, and, and the, the growth we're going to see from them as we begin this season on Monday night. want to remind you that uh, you need to get off the sidelines and into EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV, featuring premium amenities, including their turf functional training area, movie, Move EOS Cinema, open 24-7 and much more. Join them for as low as $9.99 per month at joineos.com. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. We'll talk about the, some of the new guys when we come back. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino from Learfield. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. Back here at Bailiwick, John Sandler, Curtis Terry, head coach Kevin Kruger, getting ready for the Runner Rebels and Southern season opener. Monday night, 7-15 at the Thomas and Mack. Hope you're making your plans to join us. should be a great start to what should be a lot of fun this season. Uh, going through the roster, we talked about the returning scholarship guys. Now we're going to get into uh, the, the new guys, and uh, it's the way college basketball is these days. Most programs are always going to have a, a bunch of new guys, and the Runner Rebels are no exception. As uh, you've got six D1 transfers, a JC transfer, and a freshman uh, coming in. And uh, let's start with a, a guy you mentioned earlier, and a guy who we really enjoyed watching play up in Canada. Uh, it's got tremendous defensive pedigree. Elijah Parquet transferred from University of Colorado. Yeah, they, I think that's something that you know we. For those that have been watching Rebel Basketball for a while, nothing gets you know the, the, the people on their feet in the Thomas and Mac like full court defense, threes and dunks. And uh, you know it's no secret that if you want to get him uh, up and standing up and cheering, and, and Eli will do that. He's, he's going to pick the ball up, he's going to guard it well. He's an unbelievable athlete. Um, and, and so that's where his most immediate impact on the team will be is just defensively 
But uh, somebody also has a good a, a good skill set offensively, but his mindset's where it needs to be. You know, he's somebody that just blends in, um, wants to do whatever he can to help. But uh, he knows now this being his fifth year of college basketball, he understands that you know his you know his mark is made guarding the ball. Uh, he does a great job of it, and be, fans are going to love watching him play. And uh, he, he's bigger than I thought he was. You know, when I when I read about him, watched him play a little bit when he was at Colorado, I thought he was kind of one of these long, sinewy guys. He's got some got some heft to him. No, shoulders, he's big a, shoulders. He's a he's a well built. He, yeah. he got off the sideline. He was at EOS Fitness working on his. Uh, game. There you go. There <laughs> nice. you go. Another newcomer, another Pac-12 transfer, Shane Noel from the University of Arizona. Yeah, Shane. Uh, you know, he was a. Uh, the reason we're so excited about Shane, I think, is because he was the the last one to join uh, just in terms of the roster uh, where it was at when he decided to transfer and he's you know, being the younger one of the younger guys on this team with a lot of wings uh, kind of guys that play his same position but all being older I think uh, it shows a lot of maturity and also a, a little bit of a plan for Shane that you know coming into a group of, of older guys he he knows he can play with them but also learn a lot from them. And, uh, and he wants to be a part of the, the Rebel program and continue to grow and develop as a, on the trajectory and the path that we're going. And, but we're extremely excited to have Shane here. I think uh, Rebel fans are going to love Shane. Well, speaking of someone Rebel fans are excited about, Las Vegas fans are excited about, Isaiah Cottrell comes home. He does. You know, spending some time at Bishop Gorman. You know, Isaiah uh, coming off a little foot, ishri- uh, a foot injury that he got in Canada. Uh, he might not be ready for game one, but he will be ready at the beginning of the season, which I know he's been down about. Uh, again, uh, somebody who, who played a lot of minutes at West Virginia, but a little uh, inconsistent on a night-in, night-out basis. So we're excited for Isaiah. He, he gives us a lot more depth in the front court, um, not just because of his size and athleticism, but also with his experience. And he can do so many different things when he's healthy. And- we're hoping he gets healthy real quick. All right, we're going to take another break real quickly. When we come back, we've got more newcomers to talk about. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino from Learfield. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Talking Rudder Rebel basketball here at Bailiwick on the Kevin Kruger Show. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and the head coach, Kevin Kruger, Running through the roster and the, some of the new faces you'll see starting Monday night as the Runner Rebels take on Southern University at the Thomas and Mac, tipping off at seven fifteen. Coach, you mentioned him earlier, and he's a guy you know I knew a little bit about coming in, coming out of uh, Ole Miss and the SEC, and some pretty solid numbers there, balance both scoring and rebounding. Uh, but the first time I saw him in practice, I was like, that that guy's special. He can do a lot of things. Physically gifted. Great attitude, incredible work ethic. Luis Rodriguez, he must enjoy coaching. No doubt, just because, he, like you said, he's just so much fun to be around. And uh, he's one of those guys, if you see him out on the court, you're going to look at your, your program and you're going to see 6'6", 215, and you're going to say, no, he's not. And then you're going to stand next to him and you're going to say, oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, he's just one of those guys that's he, he's a lot bigger than he looks from a distance. But uh Again, you know, started four, 49 of the previous 60 at Ole Miss. So he comes in uh, coming from a place where he was expected to be uh, productive. He was relied on on a night-in, night-out basis. And I think uh, that's one of his biggest advantages. And, you know, he, he played unbelievably unbelievably well in both of our secret scrimmages. Um, he had got off to a little bit of a rough start in Canada but still guarded the ball and rebounded it well up there. Um, I think uh, he shoots the ball extremely well, 
but um, and we're going to try to get him as many looks as he can. And I think he's somebody that uh, could play in the NBA someday just because his approach, his attitude is, uh, is, is up there with the, the likes of the, of the guys we've seen that play in the NBA. And his size and athleticism uh, are, just, uh, are just what he hangs his hat on, where he relies on, but, uh, but he just plays so hard. And, Kurt, I know you've, you're incredibly impressed with what you've seen from Luis, uh, both in practice and, and the, the scrimmage games we've watched. Yeah, and I think it, 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 you can't, it goes without being said. I mean, the experience that these guys have, these transfers coming in, the fact that they play, like you said, started 49, those last 49 games he played there, um, coming in knowing he's going to be relied on and, and still getting that bigger role to, to be able to expand and do more offensively. And these guys naturally, like you said, stand next to him. And, again, I, I mean, I was listed at 6'5", 205. <clears throat> that was a little fabricated. But standing next to those guys, I mean, like, geez, I don't know what these kids are doing. Or I mean, obviously, I mean, they're doing a lot in the, in the weight room, but they're just they're so physical. They're well put together. They're athletes, and they can play on both ends of the court. I just it gives them so many different dimensions that they can do. Um, and I know Coach Kevin and his staff are going are to put that to use in, in terms of the game plans that they're going to put together. We went to Canada, and one of the questions on this team, and a question going into the season, is okay, who's going to replace Bryce Hamilton, Donovan Williams as guys you can count on to go get you a bucket or a lot of buckets during a game? And I remember. Uh, all the games up there, but certainly the first one, uh, Jackie Johnson came into the game, and okay, Jackie's here, okay, he's a little smaller, really physically strong, but but not the tallest guy in the world. Uh, oh, how many points does Jackie have right now? 17? How do he get 17? He's been in the game for six minutes. It's incredible when a guy is a scorer, and that's what Jackie is, how quickly he can put points on the board. Well, yeah, and some, some guys are just wired that way, and... Uh you know, the, the comparison that I keep going back to a lot, not just because they're both a little shorter than everybody else, but is Wink. And just they're built similarly, but they're just wired to score. And uh, like you said, yeah, J- Jackie he got us out of a lot of kind of lulls offensively in Canada um, just by being able to get by his guy, make shots, and uh, create for himself. But, uh, you know, having not a, a ton of practices before then, that, that was something that, that helped out a lot. Now, again, in the in the secret scrimmages we had, you know, with now that the ball is kind of moving a little bit better, the spacing's a little bit better. I think he just flourished even more. And we um, talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. No, when you talk about Jackie, but his his speed. I mean, he's just so fast in the open floor. Can you talk about what that's going to be able to provide? Because I don't think we've seen a, a guard at UNLV with that kind of speed in the open court being able to create, make plays um, for himself and for his teammates. But what what kind of dimension can that add to your guys' offensive attack? Well, yeah. Anytime you got a guy that's not your quote-unquote primary ball handler that can get it and go the length of the floor at the speed he does it it changes things because he can get by you in a blur and if you're not set defensively especially in transition he's gonna get to the rim uh has gotten up and, and dunked it a few times in our in our scrimmages so he's somebody that can put pressure on the rim but also pull up and 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 hit longer shots on a dime and uh but again, he, he's wired to score. That's something he's going to be expected to do. And you know, when you when you got guys like him, uh, Webb, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, Lou, EJ Harkless, who I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get to in a second, that can that can score at all three levels. It just makes your group that much better. You read you read my mind or my notes, but EJ uh, is is next. Uh, and and it's interesting because EJ is a guy we heard a ton about. Uh, was a huge contributor, uh, all Big 12 honorable mention player as a, as a bench player uh, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, but we haven't had a chance to see him because he's been recovering from surgery and really hasn't been 100%. Is just now starting to, to be able to practice full-time. 
Uh, but he's a guy I know you are counting on to really kind of change this team. Yeah, and he's the most established, you know, uh, all on the roster in terms of uh, the newcomers. You know, double-digit score at the University of Oklahoma in the Big 12. You know, everybody knows that's not an easy thing to do. And uh, but uh, you know, old ball coach swears by him. Says he said he was going to be good. So we're going to take his word for it and go from there. Smart. But uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, he's uh, he's still a, he was on a limit, uh, a minutes restriction in both of our secret scrimmages. So we haven't still quite been able to see him when he's fully turned loose. And uh, we're hoping for Southern that uh, he'll be able to fully go because he's just a good basketball player. He makes shots when he needs to make shots. He drives when he needs to drive. Uh, but again, he's somebody that got to Oklahoma from uh, CSUN based on what he does on the defensive end. So. Uh, uh, there's a lot of confidence and security that the coaches can have uh, with him being out there. Last two guys, those are the D1 transfers. Last two guys, you've got a, a freshman on this team who uh, lights up a room with his smile, uh, used to fill up a room, but has uh, gotten into shape, uh, which is great. Uh, and and, it, and it looks, I mean, he, he's one of those guys you look at, uh, and, and through the recruiting process, I know he kind of was a late bloomer. And all of a sudden, everybody decided they wanted a piece of Keyshawn Hall, and you guys got him. Yeah, big, big key is he's unique. He's unique because he's, uh, he's extremely mobile for his size. He's extremely high basketball IQ. Um, he's a mismatch nightmare for defenses. Um, but again, at the end of the day, he is still a freshman. So there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve, uh, just adapting to college life and the college game. But... No, he's somebody that uh, we're absolutely going to count on, uh, expect to grow with this group, and uh, it, uh, and is going to be relied on. But uh, had a great trip in Canada. I think him is, as much as anyone really benefited from that trip, just learning what the daily life is like as a, as a D1 basketball player, at, especially at a level that UNLV's at. Am I right in thinking that one of the challenges he's going to have is for the first time he's not going to be able to physically dominate all the other guys on the court the way he did in high school, and that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he played at a very good Denver prep program that played at a, at a very high level, very competitive league. But at the same time, you know, you're still going up against 22, 23-year-olds uh, on, a, on a daily basis, not only in practice but then, of course, in games. But there, there still aren't a lot of situations where I haven't seen him uh, have the advantage, even with our own guys. Uh, he just he has a knack. He has an understanding for uh, getting to the rim, drawing fouls, putting the ball in the hole. So uh, he's unique, and he's something that can really add to this group. And I just want to mention, you talked about him being able to benefit from that trip as a freshman. I went on the same trip with your dad back in, oh, man, whoo, back in 2004 um, as a freshman. And it, it, it was huge for me because, again, you just get to be around the guys. You get to get acclimated, kind of know what life is like, being on the road, traveling, obviously playing games. But I think it's going to be big for him to, to not have to wait until you, you go to that first road trip or you get to that first game. Um, and, and, I, and I can, from experience, I can attest to that being a, a benefit and a privilege to be able to have that, that foreign trip. Last new face, uh, junior college uh, transfer, Carl Jones, a, a guy who brings some size and his teammates really seem to like the guy. Oh, they love him. They love him. Now, he might not speak around any of <laughs> us. Quietest but, guy uh, I've ever seen. But uh, the, his teammates say he doesn't shut up. Uh, every time I go I, on Instagram, I don't have my notifications set up, but I have about six or seven uh, messages from, from his teammates sending me a link to his Instagram Live. Apparently, he's always on Instagram Live talking and chatting and, and, and being social, which is news to me, but... 
No, we love him. He, he's got a big smile. We call him Shy Caro, you know, for a reason. He, he's proud of being from Chicago and all and everything that that reputation brings. Uh, but uh, a pleasure to be around every day. Uh, big, physical, um, a great guy in practice, and, a, and somebody who can who can go in and there and uh, kind of change the tide of a game if needed. All righty, we're gonna take our final break, and when we come back. Get Kevin's thoughts on the season, uh, the Thomas and Mac, the fans, what they can expect, and, and what he'd love to see from uh, this great Run and Rebel fan base as we head into the opener on Monday night against Southern at the Thomas and Mac. Take a break. Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino from Learfield. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. All right, back here at Bailiwick, our final segment and uh, getting ready for the Run and Rebels. And, and Coach... Uh, it gets started Monday night against Southern, and, and then it's just a, a deluge, four games in 12 days. Uh, uh, Southern on, uh, on Monday, Incarnate Word on uh, a week from Saturday afternoon, then a huge game against uh, top 25-ranked Dayton, the Flyers, uh, a, a really, really good team, and then the final game of this little homestand to start the, the year against High Point out of North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I know you're anxious for it to get ready. Uh, are you ready for it to get ready? <laughs> yeah, it, it the summer went by quick, but also at the same time, it feels like forever since we were at, uh, at the Thomas and Mac. But uh, a, a very good Southern team, uh, predicted to win their conference. A lot of returners, especially at the guard spot. So uh, I think uh, we're going to have a really good challenge in front of us on Monday, and, and hopefully we can get after it early and uh, and, and, and get, them, uh, get them and then kind of get it off started on the right foot. I know you talk all the time because you lived it and saw it when you were playing here, when your dad was coaching here, how wonderful environment and how tough an environment for the opposition the Thomas and Mac can be. And I know that's your goal, is to turn the Thomas and Mac back into what it, it, it has been, which is uh, a huge home court advantage and a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it wasn't very long ago we had the, the top attendance on the West Coast, and uh, I think we can get back to that. But uh, I think uh, at the core of it, it's going to be a group that's fun to root for. You know, it's going to be easy to root for. That you're going to enjoy watching and enjoy supporting. But I know uh, between harp catch marketing, that you know the the, the ticket the prices, the the packages, just the availability. Uh, it, it, we're always trying and doing whatever we can to help people get to the Thomas and Mac. CT, I know you love it when that building's full. Oh, there's nothing like it. I mean, you roll off the red carpet, you set off the fireworks. Um, and like Kevin said, I mean, what the administration is doing with, with the ticket prices, with the incentives, with the student programs, um, it, it's, a, it's a fun place to be. And if it gets rocking and Coach gets his guys out there, we've got to come out and support them uh, from the start, though. Don't, let's not wait. Let's get out there from, from game one. Game one, Monday, Southern University, 7.15 tip. We'll be on the air over on ESPN Radio, 6.45 with Runner Rebel warm-up. But we want to see you at the Thomas and Mac. Monday evening, 7.15, it all gets started, and uh, we uh, really are excited for it. We'll, we'll be back here a week from tonight, 5 o'clock next Wednesday night as well, here at Bailiwick for our next edition of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. We want to thank DeMond back in our uh, Raider Nation Radio studios, JVT, for engineering alongside, and now from a broadcast partner, Curtis Terry, and for head coach Kevin Kruger, I want to thank everybody who came out. And all of you for listening, we will see you Monday night at the Thomas and Mac and here Wednesday for the next edition of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. Really appreciate it. Runner Rebel Basketball is back. Can't wait. Season opener Monday night. We will talk to you then. Have a great week and weekend, everybody.
Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics, and by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.